Well, good evening, everyone. I am Lee from First Person Safety, and here tonight to talk on an issue is one of my favorite, favorite people in the gun world, and that is Eric Gelhouse. And you're about to find out what a phone call between Eric and I typically sounds like, because this is the kind of stuff we get into uh, when we get on the phone, and they usually last, the conversations usually last a long, long, long time, because we always have just one more thing. So, Without further ado, I'm going to uh, turn it over to Eric Gilhouse to introduce himself and tell you about his background. Eric? Lee, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It's good talking to you this afternoon. Um, so just briefly, my background. Last two years ago, I retired from uh, Cal Sheriff's Office in California after 29 years. Uh, I finished up as a patrol sergeant running our firearms program. A little bit of military time as well with a deployment um, in the current fight. And that kind of led to me working for Aimpoint for a few years terms of training, um, I've been fortunate enough to train at Gunsight with Bill Jeans, Louis Auerbuck, and several others, as well as taking some human factors classes uh, from Force Science, California Training Institute. So that's kind of roughly just a thumbnail sketch on my background. All right, cool. Uh, for those of you that are just now joining us and are wondering what we're about to talk about, if you go on all of the first person safety social media outlets, uh, it's on our Instagram, it's on uh, the Facebook page, and it's on the YouTube channel. I posted the second in my Stop and Think series, in which I asked a question about a justification for red dot sites on pistols. And there is a, a circle of instructors that are making a justification for red dots on pistols, claiming that if the officer is threat focused rather than focusing on their front sight, that they will be able to reduce mistake of fact shootings by, and a mistake of fact shooting will be shooting someone who's pulling a wallet from their pocket rather than a gun or a knife or something deadly. But they're saying that there would be a reduction in mistake of fact shootings because of red dot sites, because that it allows for the threat focus. Uh, I had two issues with that theory, and this is not an instructor war. This is all about critical thought. Uh, the two issues I have with that theory, number one is, why are we actually looking through the optic at a person that we have not decided to shoot? Uh, going back to the lifestyle rules of possessing a firearms, we only point firearms at things that we intend to shoot, which means kill or destroy. And then my other issue with that theory or justification is that I just don't believe, based on my knowledge of human performance factors, that a person will be able to stop a decision to shoot that they've already made. And so Eric has done some research into this area, and he's going to talk to us about some of that research tonight and some of the training that he's done. So just, just kind of briefly, because I didn't hit on it. Um, I put a first red dot on a pistol in 2010, set up my first red dot for duty, uh, pistol for duty use back in 2011 and all 2012. I carried a red dot pistol at work. Um, walked away from them because of reliability issues, came back to them in 2018, and have been very red dot focused since then. Um, I, I disagree with the folks that are saying that being threat focused is going to prevent or at least cut down on mistake of fact shootings. What I think we're going to see is because we're focusing on the problem that we're trying to solve rather than the front side at arm's length is we're going to get better visual input um, from the event as it transpires. And that's going to give us better statements uh, from the people involved in the event um, when they go to get get interviewed in the aftermath but i think we're going to get better in better visual input that's going to get better statements um 
I think the second thing, and it's it's a probably not a for sure on, is we're going to see lower round count shootings. Um, the shooter is going to see the effects of their rounds sooner and will be able to begin the process of stopping what they're doing, which is stopping, stopping the shooting problem uh, earlier in the event. So I think we'll see fewer rounds fired, but it's going to take some time for that to bear out. Okay. You are a graduate of the Four Science Institute, correct? Yes. All right. I, I am also a graduate of Four Science. Now, my understanding of the material that, uh, that comes out of their research is that it takes the same amount of time to stop an action that has already begun as it does to start an action. Was that your understanding? Yes. So with your understanding of human performance factors, is it realistic to believe that an officer that has already begun the chain to press the trigger to the rear, that they'll be able to stop that in time if they recognize the difference between say a wallet and a gun? I, do, I don't think we'll have that, that first shot stopped. We may have a second or third shot stopped on it. Right. Um, there was a recent shooting that got a lot of play out of the central part of the United States. Um, you, when you see the video in freeze frame, you see that the suspect is armed in one visual and at about, I think, eight tenths of a second later, he's, he no longer has a weapon in that hand. Um, and the officer only fired one round in that event. So he may have processed the change in time to interrupt the second or third shot. Uh, but he, I don't think he could stop the first. Um, you have done some reading into Dr. Avini's work. Is that correct? Yeah. So there's um, Tom Avini. He's uh, from, from New England. He's with Police Policy Studies Council. He did some research back in 2000, or was published back in 2008 on what he refers to as ambiguous shootings, where people are turning with objects in their hand or, or not, but they don't have a weapon in their hand and they end up getting shot by law enforcement. And kind of the bottom line on his, um, on his work is that it has more to do with the nature of the encounter and how aggressively or not a person is turning towards an officer that drives it um, more than any of the, the commonly believed factors that would come in. And then there's another research that came out uh, about this time last year from a gentleman by the name of Paul Taylor. He was specifically looking at ready positions and muzzle um, location or site, you know, where officers were looking, where the officer's muzzle was pointed. And it's looking at instances where it was pointed in on the chest or it was pointed on the person's sternum or when it was in a more traditional or ready position, at least closer to a traditional or ready position down at the navel. And if the person turned with a firearm in their hand, officers made the, the appropriate shooting decision every time. If they turned with a cell phone in their hand, when the officers were pointed in at the person's chest, they shot 66% of the time on the cell phone. A little bit more than 50% of the time officers fired uh, if they were had the muzzle pointed at the person's sternum. But when they had the muzzle down around the navel belt line, a more traditional already, they only shot about 30% of the time. So, so, so if I understand what you're saying correctly, there was a more than 30% reduction in mistake of fact shootings when the pistol was in a ready position versus what we would see if they were looking through an optic. Yes, it was about half. About half. The mistake of fact shootings by half. Okay. Uh, there was a tenth of a second time difference in the officers firing under those circumstances. And 
one of the things that Taylor believes, aside from having the muzzles, the muzzle down, was that tenth of a second time difference allowed the officer to make a better decision. He also hypothesized that having the muzzle up on the chest or up on the sternum was programming the officers to shoot in those circumstances. Okay, could you could you elaborate on that? So it, it appears his belief was that, or that his hypothesis in this was, that if you were already pointed on the chest or on the sternum of the person, rather than in a, a low ready position, your brain was, was already down the road of shooting, was farther down the road of shooting than evaluating. Does that make sense? Yes, yeah. So in that case, looking through the optic, at the person makes you twice as likely to shoot than if you're in a ready position mistake of fact shooting I, I think it puts you twice as likely to be in a mistake of fact shooting than if you have the, the weapon down in a ready position are going to have to bring it up and have the time to evaluate the stimulus you're getting okay all right there was one other thing you sent me in your notes and that was talking about fall rate could you go into that so uh there's a uh, criminalist by the name of alexander jason i uh, used to be out in the san francisco area and he had looked at a couple things back about 2010 or so, uh, which were shooting speed and falling speed. And the thing that I had sent you in, in the notes was that unless you have that central nervous system destroying shot, where you, where you see it where the person just drops like the strings cut, um, a crumple fall takes a person about 1.1 to 1.5 seconds, depending on number of factors for them to go from standing to the ground. If you look at shooting speed, uh, the speed at which people can shoot, that one to one and a half seconds can be anywhere from about five to nine rounds going down range while the person's still actually falling. Okay. That but, would also but, play. Go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. That's kind of separate from what we've been talking about right. until you get to additional rounds being fired and be able to process all that's going on. Right. Now, you said earlier that red dots may lead to less rounds fired. Uh, is that an instance where you're saying, okay, they're recognizing that the suspect's falling sooner may, may result in less rounds that, fired? That's kind of my hypothesis, um, that because, we're, because the shooter in those circumstances is going to be looking at the threat rather than looking at the front sight, they're going to start getting those indications sooner, uh, because, and they're going to be taking in that information like all the other information coming in when you're looking at whatever distance the problem is, as opposed to the front side at arm's length. Right. So we could, we could go down the rabbit hole of shot cadence here and, and how that would affect um, uh, decision-making. And, but I think we'll stick to the red dot question here uh, just for the sake of brevity. Um, I do want to be very clear that neither Eric or our anti-red dot, as he stated, he carries with a red dot on his pistol. I believe when you finished, uh, when you retired, you were actually carrying a red dot pistol on duty. Am I correct? I, I'd gone back to carrying a red dot pistol uh, the end of 2018. So when I retired, I carried it. Um, at Gunsight, I, I've kind of been the, the, I'm the lead instructor for our red dot pistol programs down here. Uh, my company, Cougar Mountain Solutions, uh, one of our classes is a, red, is a pistol-mounted optic instructor class for law enforcement. So that we, we were already teaching... Um, Last, last class we taught was up in New England last month. Uh, I have taken one red dot formal class. I've been doing a lot of work uh, with them on my own. I am taking uh, Dave Spalding's handgun combative red dot class this weekend. 
Uh, so I'm actively in that pursuit, uh, feeling comfortable enough to carry them in the field myself. So again, neither one of us is anti-red dot. We're actually very pro for the benefits that they bring. Uh, I do think they're definitely going to see an improvement in shooting precision uh, with with the dots. Uh, but I, my questioning with this justification that's being made is, I really think it's a sense to try to sell agencies on switching to the red dot. And I just think that this a very, it's not a well thought out justification. And if anybody takes offense at that, well, then they take offense at that. I would invite any of the people that are making this justification that would like to respond to this. We can have a very polite interaction and conversation because this whole thing is about critical thinking on the internet if that's possible and i really would like to hear uh you go into more depth of your explanation and I, and I hope the people that are following this would like to see that as well this is not a setup to play gotcha that is not what is happening here uh i actually talked to one of the noted red dot instructors that has made that justification before i even put out the first video and because I wanted to make sure that I was not playing gotcha, not trying to get an instructor war going. Uh, so I wanted them to have a chance to understand what I was saying, understand what my questions were, and to be able to respond if they so choose to do so. Uh, but then he, I'm just a fat guy with questions, so they may not feel the need to respond to me. I wouldn't. Uh, but I want to give that option. Uh, Eric, anything else that you would like to, to say about this topic before we sign off? No, I, I think as the as the technology catches up with the idea behind the pistol mounted optics we are going to get better performance across the board i i like we've talked about i just i don't think that looking through the optic itself is going to prevent or minimize mistake effect shootings i, I think we're going to get those taken care of other ways all right Give everybody a spiel of cougar mountain solutions uh, what kind of classes do you offer uh, where can they find you so um, on Facebook and on Instagram at Cougar Mountain Solutions, uh, it's a terrain feature where I come from, the, that mountain. Um, they have a website up and running, which is cougarmountainsolutions.com slash blog. You find me there. Uh, do both training for uh, decent normal human beings, members of the public, as well as law enforcement uh, instructor classes at this point. All right. Well. Eric, I want to thank you for uh, joining tonight with such a thoughtful response to my internet ramblings. And uh, again, folks, this is what typical phone conversations between he, he and I consist of. It's we get into the weeds of the research. And uh, uh, to me, you know, talking to someone like Eric has been uh, a wonderful way for me to flesh out and learn. And I want to thank Eric uh, for his tolerance of my numerous 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 questions uh seeking information and um eric thank you lee thank you thank you for having me uh, i very much appreciate taking the time this afternoon all right folks well that is the uh the end of this response video i hope the hound dog that was after whatever it was after outside wasn't too loud in the background um but yeah that's i live in georgia there's going to be hound dogs around so uh we're signing off tonight and Thank you for playing along. So remember, stop and think and just be sure to start again.